Hey guys, welcome back to Venturing Out series on serial entrepreneurship. My name is Dylan Fontaine and I am again joined by Grace Smith. And today we are back with Gib Reynolds, uh, the Waco serial entrepreneur, educator, and friend of the show. I don't know if I'd call myself the serial entrepreneur of Waco, but I'm definitely one of them. Thanks for having me back. Gib, thanks again for being back. So there are a lot of obstacles that stand in the way of starting a successful company and lots of our listeners are young. And they have to deal with things like limited access to capital, no cash flow, uh, lack of experience, and much more. So from your perspective, how would you recommend someone go about starting their own business? So I want to start on one of the points you raised, which was lack of experience. Um, everyone has a lack of experience at some point, And so don't let that be the thing that stops you from trying something new. Um, I'm not saying you should take your lack of experience and raise a bunch of money from other people and try something big. But again, I think we're... Um, talking about how do you overcome that? Well, you have to gain some experience. So I think my kind of advice at the end of the last podcast was just do something. And I want to reiterate, like lack of experience is irrelevant at some point. So just try. But I recognize it's not as easy as just doing that, right? You can't just try. Um, access to capital is one of the things that entrepreneurs of any age often cite as one of their biggest hurdles to starting whatever idea they have, mm -hmm. whether it's supposed to be a small business or a billion-dollar unicorn or a part-time hobby or whatever. And I want to say that I, uh, again, I, I mentioned this a little last episode. I think we've almost, um, we've built this bizarre narrative around people that successfully raise tens of millions of dollars and build companies. Like most companies aren't started that way. And so uh, if access to capital is a problem, I would encourage you to find a very cheap and efficient way to test an idea and hopefully build cash flow. What does that look like? Well, um, a really successful uh, man that has mentored me and I've gotten to teach with uh, will often say, that's awesome that you said you need $100,000 in 12 months to figure this out. Can you do it for $10,000 in one month? Right? What could you learn along the way if you broke it down and actually took a fraction of the time and a fraction of the money? And so you'll kind of brainstorm and come up with an idea. And I was like, great. What if you have five grand in two weeks? And all of a sudden you have to get more resourceful and scrappy. And that always kind of boils down to, so if you had a hundred bucks in one week, what could you learn? Um, and to me, I like it because it's taking what is a seemingly big requirement of capital and saying, well, with a little bit, how... Um, can I take a step further kind of along the journey, learn something important maybe about who a customer is or who a core supplier will be? Um, and I think anyone that's struggling to start out can always find small things to learn that will make their cash needs ultimately lower, right? If you can take $500 and learn $5,000 worth of lessons, which by the way, I think is actually possible by asking the right questions, creating a prototype and putting it in the hands of someone, etc. Like those things will be much more valuable than just trying to find a bunch of money now to do something. So, you know, hopefully that takes kind of the just do something. It makes it a little bit more tangible. If you literally don't have access to any cash, again, I think this is where really good partners are going to come from. A bunch of students that I work with want to do cool, you know, coding heavy tech ideas that might be really awesome, but they don't know how to code. And so they go and figure out that, oh my gosh, I might have to spend $50,000 to do an app. There's no way that I can do this. Why not see if you can find a student who is also interested in entrepreneurship, offer them some equity, and maybe they don't build the $50,000 version, but they can help you build a $10,000 version. And their contribution will allow you to test the market and realize, man, our idea is actually worthwhile. 
Um, maybe we do need to raise money to build this out proper. Or maybe there's a way that, you know, through bootstrapping and um, kind of adding new features, benefits, kind of that, that iterative process together, you can actually build something of value without ever having to worry about cash flow. Um, I think I saw this crazy stat, but I mean, there's some huge percentage of businesses on the S&P 500 that were started with less than 10 grand. Like $10,000 is a lot of money. I don't want to act like it isn't. And again, I've been fortunate to um, raise money from other people or have really good partners that brought cash to the table for the businesses I've done. But when you think about it, like $10,000 is nothing compared to the amount of money that successful companies are able to raise. And so if you can find a way to start cheaply or um, gather together the other people and resources to help you do something, again, just do it. And I think you'll learn a whole lot more than saying, well, when I have all the money, when I have all the right people, when I have all the experience, like even if you work for a thousand years, you're not gonna have all the experience. Like there's always something new to learn. So start learning faster. And I think the best way to do that is through experience. I also want to say this is totally my bias. And so I know that we have students listening. Um, I'm a huge proponent of case studies. I think that you can analyze case studies and learn about things that people have done before you. My MBA was entirely case study based. And through the process of doing over 300 cases in six months, there's an element of pattern recognition of maybe it's a business model or it's a way to approach your first customer or it's how to find suppliers or how to hire people or how to fire people. Like there's so much that can come from reading about and learning how other people did stuff and then discussing it with smart people. So if you're a student and you're listening to this and you have a class that does case studies, take them seriously. Don't raise your hand and try to make a point, you know, so you get your participation check of the day. Like put yourself in the shoes of the entrepreneur and say, oh my gosh, if I'm actually faced with this decision, what would I do? What happens if I make that choice, good and bad, and learn from that? Because truthfully, I think that's something that helped me out um, way more than I realized until I started to like really try to operate a company um, that, that I was building on my own. So yeah, I think that there's tools that might not even require money, uh, but they're possible. Um, but it's very much like what you get out of it is what you put in. So yeah. Yeah, so it's interesting. Um, it's essentially what you've said is leverage other resources outside of capital, at least, or exhaust those first. Um, because, yeah, as you had said, capital is almost always required to start, start a venture. Um, or, or really, it's used as a tool, mm-hmm. a tool to get you where you may need to be, but it's not always required, yes. right? Yes, no, I, I, yeah. so I would agree. I think um, capital is a tool. Like I, Acton talked about debt not as this nebulous thing that you have on your balance sheet, yeah. but they called it financial leverage. And when you have got an idea that you understand what it costs to acquire a customer, when they're profitable and how to scale that, you can apply financial leverage. You can take debt on to buy more marketing and like pour fuel on that fire. And I really love that image. Because a lever makes things easy to move and to lift. And so how about we view cash not as a prerequisite to start a business, but as the thing that allows you to propel it forward even faster with greater success. Yeah. I know you've already previously talked about different resources students can use to kind of help them succeed in this field. You also mentioned about students looking into getting a mentor 
how do you suggest them going about this? Or maybe where do they find one? Where do they look for a mentor that could be of use to them? I think that students don't understand how much people um, want to give them. I, I, as someone who gets to like be in the classroom and bring my experience, of course, it's part of my job description. But I found successful entrepreneurs or small business owners um, or even people that have worked in corporations want to pour into the next generation uh, and help them kind of achieve and pursue the things they're passionate about and really try to create the change that they want to see in the world. So I think you have a, a really cool opportunity in being a student because with a .edu email address, it's a lot easier to ask for hard things, right? And that can look like sending an email to someone who maybe like you don't even have a relationship to, but just providing a compelling reason why they should engage with you. Hey, I'm a student, and I really admire how you did these things, and I have a very specific question about X, and I think you are the best person for me to ask. Um, I'm, I'm trying to be intentional about encouraging students to reach out to people because it's really easy to naively network. Hey, I think you're really successful. I'd love to have a cup of coffee with you. Like, I hate to say it, but that could be a waste of 30 minutes. But to say, hey, I admire the way that you have persevered or learned or accomplished this, I want to do something like that in my life, and I would love for you to, to share what was the motivation behind that. Like That sounds like a very fruitful conversation. So one is, I think people are willing to mentor and encourage and support students a lot more than students realize, but don't come at someone with a naive question, right? Don't come with this very open, can I have 30 minutes of your time? Time is the most valuable resource we have, and I'm not excited about wasting 30 minutes to talk about five minutes of meat when someone could say, this is what I want to learn, let's establish some rapport and relationship, and let's really dig into that. From there, stuff can grow, right? So I would say be very tactical about how um, you reach out to a mentor. The other, uh, the other thing is look at, I think alumni can be a really good um, source of mentorship opportunities. The first guy that I would really say was a mentor for me who ended up actually being the first investor in urban produce um, was someone that I met when I was a student. And um, I had some really interesting questions about business ethics. And I went to him and asked some difficult questions about things that I wasn't sure if I was comfortable with that I saw some other students doing. Um, nothing like terrible, just like, I don't want to do business that way. Um, and from that, we had a relationship that moved into, well, how do you manage your money personally? How do you hire and fire people? And like all of a sudden from something that was just like, I don't know if I'm okay with that. You know, what does someone else who's successful think about it? It led into so much more. So, uh, but I only got that relationship because they were an alumni. So there was that university tie. So if you're a student right now, like find out other alumni, preferably in your area, um, that are willing to meet. Of course, the world is kind of crazy right now, but I mean, look, you can still meet over Zoom, right? So I'd say like leverage that network, uh, uh, you know, of the university and that brand. Um, but again, it goes back, like the first thing to do is you have to take action or reach out, right? A mentor is not magically going to fall into your lap. So take the initiative. Um, yeah, I think it's a super rewarding uh, and meaningful piece. The other, I mean, gosh, there's so many resources inside of the university too. There are professors who are experts. Um, there's so many resources inside of university, right? You have professors who are experts of their subject matter who might even bring in guest speakers. Like all of those might be potential avenues and resources to support and encourage you along your entrepreneurial journey. Um, and of course, like at Baylor, I run the student incubator. Like my job is literally to try and mentor students. 
Um, see if a program like that exists. And by the way, if it's not at your university, what about in your community? I think one of the things that um, you know we can talk more about in a little is is going to be how to engage with the community and look at resources that are put on for free, whether they're city or state government kind of programs or co-working spaces or like where can you go to get plugged in? But again, it requires taking that first step. So, yeah. and I like that you brought up whether there may, there may be incubator programs in their community, if not at their university. Because truthfully, incubator programs aren't common at universities. There are only a select few that ever have them uh, or believe in entrepreneurship as we've discussed it today. Um, so for maybe a student who doesn't have that incubator program accessible to them either at the university or in their community, is, and, and they're looking to start their own business, where else can they go to learn? I think there's so many different answers to that. And so because we're in Waco, I want to talk about some of the awesome things that our city is doing with the hope that if a city, sorry, if a, if a student doesn't live in Waco, they can look for similar resources kind of where they're from. Um, first off, our Chamber of Commerce is really active and they want to see businesses start and grow here. And I'm sure that wherever you go to school, the town that you're in, would love to see new businesses start there because that is a great measure of success. And so something like a Chamber of Commerce can be a great place to start because they can connect you to established businesses or other entrepreneurs, and maybe that's a good first step. Um, There's another thing that is actually run at another university here in town called the Small Business Development Center, the SBDC. And they are a government-funded organization who is tasked with helping write business plans connecting with potential sources of capital, relationships with banks, but also consulting and mentorship. If you're in a smaller town, maybe see if whether it's your town or somewhere close has something like that so someone um, can encourage you and give you some of the resources that we have uh, you know, freely available. That's the other piece is a lot of these can be free. You don't have to spend money on them. Um, another great uh, example, so... We're actually, um, we, we have a really cool organization at Waco called Startup Waco. It's a nonprofit that is entirely focused on bringing together all of the entrepreneurial resources in town into one building. There was a survey done here, I don't know, probably three years ago, and they realized there were 21 entrepreneur support organizations that didn't talk to each other. Waco is not big. It's like 120, 130,000 people, and there were 21 different groups focused on empowering entrepreneurship. Instead of doing everything differently, why not bring them together so someone can walk through one set of doors and say, I need help with this thing, and we can point them to those resources. I'm actually a part of Startup Waco. Um, I work for them part-time, and it's so cool to see the ability to share these resources. I don't know if there's something like that where you live, um, but thankfully it's easy to Google search. Right? And if you're a student, start with your university. Right, Your professors are going to know other people or other resources way better um, than, than you might. And of course, like Google is a great way to do it, but also you can form relationships with people. So I think um, it's easy to you know, undervalue or overvalue kind of the resources immediately available to a student. But uh, active involvement in the community is really important. Um, I'm thankful that I got connected to Waco. So when I graduated from Baylor, I had somewhere else to go that wasn't very far. There was already a a resource and kind of network of people there. One of the things that I want to also add, because I know that Baylor has this, I actually was a part of it as a student, 
and it still exists today, um, is even if your school doesn't have a major or minor in entrepreneurship and that's what you want to do, there are national student organizations like the Collegiate Entrepreneurs Organization that are literally student-run clubs that are all about this. And that I know that organization specifically has annual conferences, speakers, resources, all kinds of things. If you don't have that, start it on your own. Just do it. Again, start your own club, find other people on campus who are interested in the same thing, support each other, and build something that matters. How cool would it be to see that end up helping a university administration realize we need to support entrepreneurship? Um, and I think that that kind of grassroots stuff can work. So get involved in your community, take advantage of free resources that are there, meet with successful business owners in your town. Um, and man, if there's nothing else, start an organization, try to bring in some speakers and be kind of the, the catalyst for change and make that really, really vital. Yeah, and I think touching on all of those different resources are incredibly important for students to recognize that there's more out there than you may know. And the first thing that you can do is just start start looking, whether it's through Google search or, or reaching out to a professor or Googling your local city chamber of commerce. Um, because those, those guys and gals are incredibly interested in getting you connected because it benefits their city and they want to see success and they want... Uh, as you had mentioned, even through mentors, like people want to see you succeed. And, and truly, I think that's what's great about entrepreneurship, too, is there's almost like a, br- a brotherhood and a sisterhood to it. I mean, it's, there's a bond uh, going through the trenches together. And because we have this perspective of what it takes, and that's really, really important. And so I think the common theme for students to take away is just start. Just start and put yourself out there. Uh, yeah, just start and put yourself out there, but don't underestimate the importance of connection and community. Mm-hmm. I, I really like your idea of like the kind of the brotherhood or, or sisterhood, if you want, of, of people that have started companies. Um, like I have been in the trenches, and so when I have a student come to me that says, man, this is really tough, my answer of, yeah, it is, how can I help you, isn't just words. It's like, oh, no, I have endured through this. And I admire that you're doing that. What doors can I open? What perspective can I give you? How can I try to resource you? And I don't think I'm unique in that at all. I think entrepreneurs and small business owners around the country will do the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. And hopefully that's what students take away, is that people are willing to help. It's just about taking that first step. Yeah. it's. Um, I don't know if this is helpful, but a personal story about that. So when we started My Wedding Connector... Uh, again, I thought I think the idea itself was kind of terrible, and if you haven't heard episode one, go listen to it, because I kind of shared some of the mistakes I made in this. But we contacted a company who was like the industry leader for a service that we thought we needed. By the way, we didn't need it. It was $10,000 a month. It's crazy, right? We thought we were going to build this huge business. So we emailed the CEO, and he's like, yeah, I'll help students for free. Just, a, a, you know, what, 10-word response. He's like, yeah, I believe in it. I'll give you our service. Try it. What? Like, I'm not even talking about someone that I knew or we had a connection with. He's like, yeah, that's awesome. I admire that you think that you could grow and build something big enough to need me. And it, it was great. So, like, just ask, right? Like, it's, it, it seems so simple in hindsight. It was just an email, but it opened a door um, and established a relationship and was really helpful for us. Yeah, it didn't work out, but, I mean, that's part of it, too. That's awesome. Yeah. 
Again, Gib, thank you so much for sharing your experience across this series on serial entrepreneurship. From my understanding, we will have your contact information available upon request through our Venturing Out Instagram at Baylor Venturing Out if anybody were to have any questions. That will conclude our series on serial entrepreneurship. We hope you have enjoyed and feel that you have walked away learning something. If you have any suggestions for future series, please reach out to us. Keep up the hard work, take care, and take advantage of resources like this. Take care, friends.